Exposed, the podcast where I expose myself and encourage other people to do so as well. My name's Ginny, and we're going to get to know each other. So rather fittingly, the topic for this episode is creativity and the anxiety that comes along with it. And as someone who suffers from anxiety, not just feeling anxious, but actually clinically diagnosed with anxiety, I am very familiar with a lot of the anxiety that comes along with being an artist or a creator. And there have been studies that have confirmed that anxiety is more common in people who are considered artist types. And I 100% believe that. Um, I'm not sure if the anxiety comes from being an artist or being an artist comes from being prone to anxiety. Uh, it's my opinion that people that do create art and things that are meant to communicate with other people are usually pretty sensitive in general um, because we are open to other people's experiences and empathy and we're trying to tell stories. And when you put out something into the world, as I am putting this podcast out into the world... Um, you can become, you know, concerned about what people are going to say. And sometimes I don't think that I'm afraid of criticism. I think it's my want to communicate with other people. And if I feel like I'm not being understood, that that's much more devastating. Like, I want people to be able to empathize and hear me and understand what I'm saying. And if that doesn't happen, you can feel really isolated, like you're a 34-year-old cat lady sitting alone in her apartment talking to a microphone. That's just the tip of the iceberg when we're talking about people like myself that create for a living, and this is what we do to make money. You know, we don't have a salary, we don't have, you know, any sort of job security. Uh, we just have to put ourselves out there and hope that other people out there connect to us and want to help us and support what we're doing. I mean, right now for myself, I'm, you know, not really making any money doing this, but I have a podcast that I've been doing for a few months uh, with my friend Kurt. Um, it's called The Drunken Metaphysical. It's a very different podcast than this is, but I felt like really encouraged by the response from it. And so I'm hoping I can kind of get that enthusiasm, but to this genre, which is extremely different, um, it does not involve me getting drunk with my friend and talking about aliens. And as some of you know, I do a lot of YouTube videos where I talk about very personal stuff and a lot of mental health issues. But, you know, it's in that YouTube format where I don't want to make videos longer than, you know, four minutes or so. And there's, there's an immense amount of pressure that comes from having a video camera on you. I'm as candid as I can be. There's videos up there of me in the middle of an anxiety panic attack. There's videos of me crying over my ex-husband and um, other things. I don't really hide much from you guys. I felt like this was a format where I could really get into things, and this is a platform that I felt like I could be more just like myself and just talking to you guys, not have to put on a bunch of makeup and try to look nice. So this first episode is going to go up, and you guys might hate it, and you might be like, this is boring, and I don't want to listen to you for this long, which I would totally understand. I'm the one that has to edit my own voice, and I totally get it. But yeah, there's something about, you know, putting yourself out there, especially the way that I do, where a lot of the stuff that I create is things that have to do with me and my own personal stories. And so when that sort of thing is rejected, it feels very, very personal, you know, you understand that you're not for everybody and not everybody's going to like you, but you kind of want that validation of like, hey, I'm worth something or my voice is worth something or my story's worth something. And especially because the sentiment behind this whole thing is to be able to share not only mine, but other people's stories with you 
just to be able to reach out and be like, hey, these are things that people are going through and you're not alone. I'm a very lonely person. Um, I feel very isolated a lot of the time. For me, I most of the time think, you know what, if I died, I don't think anybody would be that sad about it. And I know that's not true. And I know, you know, I have friends that would, you know, be sad and I'm not like saying, oh, I want to die. But it's a very lonely life for a lot of us. And if I can do anything to help other people feel less lonely, that's awesome because I feel it all the time and I don't want you guys to experience that. And as with most art, uh, we take our own pain and our own tragedy and we try to turn it into something good and something that can help us and help other people. Most artists, we want to make the world better and make people feel better because we're the sensitive ones and we're the ones that are constantly thinking of every worst possible thing that could happen all the time. But we also desperately, desperately want the world to be okay and not feel the way that we feel, if that makes sense. I don't know. Every other sentence, I'm like, is that going to make sense? Are they going to be able to relate to me? I don't know. What if they can't? What if they are terrible? What if they've turned it off already? And I, there's so many things that I want to create. There, I have ideas every day of things I want to do. And I'm like, if only I had a budget or if only I had this or that, I could make this like amazing thing. But then I realized, you know what? Even though if I don't have anything, I can still cobble together what I have and try to put stuff out there. I can't just sit around and not do anything because I feel like I don't have the budget or I don't have the time. I don't want things to stop me from trying to create and to reach out to other people. The anxiety around it can be so paralyzing and you want things to be okay and you want stuff to be accepted and you want what you're doing to like be important or matter because that makes you feel like you matter. And I think that's all a lot of people want is to feel like they are important and they're worth something. And having enough money to be able to live your life the way that you want makes you feel like you are worth something as a human being and as a person. And being able to create things that resonate with other people puts you on this level of connection with others and it makes you feel like what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're thinking are okay and it like you just want to get as many hugs as possible from as many people without having to touch them because honestly like I love you guys but I probably don't want to hug all of you let's just be honest <laughs> but when you create something you are taking a tiny little piece of your soul and excuse the drop in the name here um but you're exposing yourself to everybody you're just kind of like hey look at this tiny piece of me please like it Please like this thing that I did that is part of me. And also, if you like it enough, could you please maybe pay me to make more of it? Like, you have to like that piece of me so much that it makes you want to pay me to make more things. And so you're literally paying someone because you like them and you like a part of them. That's just scary to be judged on that level. It's really, really scary. You question yourself all the time and you're just constantly thinking or like, is this okay? Are people going to take this the way I want? You know, is it going to be worth anything? Because you're basically putting tiny little pieces of your heart on sale. So on that happy note, let's jump over to our interview. So 
today we're talking with one of my favorite people, the amazingly talented James Moran. He's written for TV shows like Doctor Who and Torchwood. Uh, his film Cockney vs. Zombies is on Netflix right now. And while most of the time our conversations involve gin and talking about dead zombie prostitutes, today we're going to be talking about anxiety that comes with having a career in art. So James, you are here, and you are here to talk to us about the creative process and the anxiety that happens from that. And I'm sure that you are very familiar with this. God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, I I I, I can't speak for for other writers, but I know I know a lot of other writers have very similar issues to me, and obviously. Um, you know, mine mine isn't anywhere near as bad as as a lot of people, um, but yeah, it's it's quite a common thing uh, with writers and creative people of any kind, which is this awful anxiety over the thing you're creating. Um, and I think I think you kind of have to be that kind of sensitive, insecure bundle of nerves to make these things in the first place which is really annoying because it makes us the people least suited to do the job. It's, it's quite cruel. Um, cruel in the sense that I get paid to make up stupid stories. So, you know, so the, the, it only goes so far. It's the, the sympathy only extends uh, so far. Um, but yeah, there, there's that, the initial idea. And then you go, you're like, Oh God, is that, is that good enough? Is that a good idea? Is that a terrible idea? If I tell somebody, are they just going to go, that's nice. And, does that mean it's a good idea or are they just being, are they being polite? Why are they being polite? Do they think I can't handle it? And do they really hate me? Are they really embarrassed for me? Um, what do they think? What do they think of me? Do they like me? And so then, so then you've got that with just the initial idea and then you try and sort of make it into a, a full thing. And then the whole time you're like, you're going, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not good enough to do this. Is this any good? Is this any good? I have no idea. Um, are people going to like it? Are, Am I going to be able to sell it? Um, if you're doing it for somebody, you think, are they going to like it? Are they going to fire me when they receive it? Are they going to go, oh, God, why didn't we just get a proper writer in the first place? Um, how do we how do we fire this loser now and get someone decent in? Um, every single thing you send off, you think you're going to get fired. You think that's going to be you're going to get fired and that's going to be the end of your career. And then everyone's going to talk about you and nobody else will hire you. Um and then, and then, as soon as they they send some notes, you're like, "Oh God, what are the notes going to be? Are, are they going to be? Are they going to be really difficult? Are they going to? Are they going to be pages and pages of them? And and I'm going to feel like a failure because I didn't get it right the first time. Um, nobody gets it right the first time. That's not possible. Um, and then that keeps happening every single draft. And then even when you've handed it in and they say they like it, you kind of go, oh, "Maybe they are they just saying that and they're going to get somebody in to rewrite it and then they're going to tell me or they're going to." sort of tell me about a week a week before it's filmed and then I'll I'll find out and then it'll be awful. Um and then it gets made and then the whole other set of anxieties kick in where you're like, oh God, what if people hate it? What if they hate it and then they hate me and I will die unloved and alone um in a ditch because I'll have become homeless because my career will have ended because of this thing and you get that on every single thing and it never got i think it gets worse actually it never goes away that was a very long answer um no that's that's exactly what anxiety does it's a spiral of nonsense that just is. one thought feeds off the other 
And and it's it's quite a common thing for writers, and I think it's because our our job, all we do all day, is thinking up the worst case scenarios for characters to to make to make for a dramatic, exciting, scary, um, thrilling thing, whatever we're doing. So the you know we're we're constantly thinking what can go wrong, how badly can it go wrong, how much shit can I put these characters in, um, you know, and then. You, you naturally that naturally seeps into your to your life. You're just you're walking along a train platform and you think, oh god, what if some, what if someone tries to push me onto the tracks? I'll just take a step away from 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 the edge of the, the train platform. Um, that's not far enough. What if what if two people try and push me on the tracks? And I'll I'll I'll, st- I'll take a step back and I'll lean against the wall and I'll put my bag in front of me so that if they do grab me, I can just drop my bag. And you start working out all these scenarios and how you're going to deal with it. Or if somebody somebody says something to you, you start working out how you're going to reply, and then how they might reply, and then how you might reply to that reply. But if they give if they do a different reply, then you have to come up with with a whole conversation based on. So you're working out these like alternate universes in your head, all of which are disastrous. You know, you, you're never going to sit there and think, oh, I think I think this situation will happen, and everything will be fine, and I'll be great, and we'll all we'll all have a big big hug at the end of it. That scenario never has. Hey, maybe I'll be walking down this train platform and someone will hand me ten dollars and it'll be great. Yeah, yeah, that that never happens. Your brain just doesn't. Well, my brain just doesn't work that way, and I think a lot of a lot of writer brains don't. But yeah, you just you're, you're just constantly trying to put people in terrible situations, so your brain just doesn't stop doing that, and you know, looking for the drama and the conflict and everything. So it just keeps doing that to you. Um, but again, you know, I think I think a lot of creative uh, arty farty people are quite nervous and insecure and anxious and that's a sweeping generalization that that isn't at all true but i think a lot of people you know you, you've got to have a bit of a thin skin to kind of get into get inside your head and kind of mine all the mine all the awful stuff for for stories and for characters and that means that you're a bit more sensitive to that kind of thing than other people and then and then you know, then it then it does come out, and people see it or read it or whatever it is, and then there are reviews, there is online criticism, and there are two people in the in the writing world. There are people who say they uh, read all the reviews, and then there are liars because everyone reads stuff. You can't you can't help it. And then and then you're reading that, and you think, oh god, they didn't like it. Um, now they're gonna. The, the, all the other reviewers are going are gonna to read that and think and go in with these preconceptions, and then the people who are going to the cinema are going to read that, and they're not going to want to go in, and and then that will be the end of my. It, these all end with, and that will be the end of my career, and I'll become <laughs> homeless and unloved and die in a ditch. Yes, which is what we basically assume the end game is most of the time. Yes, yes, <laughs> and any step you take can lead to disaster. Do you find it easier to be working on, like you know, a, a television series or something where you're answering to other people and you are taking notes and that sort of thing or do you find it easier to be you know when you're writing your own stuff like your short films or you know your actual stuff that's you and you're in charge of it is there more or less anxiety with either situation or is it just different anxiety um about the same level just just a different type um Mm -hmm. because if you're if you're if you're working for somebody else then you could get fired and they'll hate it. If you're doing it for yourself, then people might hate it. It might not happen. You have no idea if it's any good. 
and and no one's kind of supporting you along the way and giving you notes because you're doing it yourself. So it's just yeah, it's just a whole different set of anxieties, and then and they're all leading up to the same thing, which is eventually somebody will see it and decide if it's good or not. But they they won't decide it's good. They will just have an opinion on it, and then you will naturally kind of go if they like it, you'll go oh it's good. If they don't like it, you'll go oh god, I knew I was terrible. Well, do you think? Um, with social media, you know, and having people be able to just like tweet at you, you know, when they see something that you've made, do you think if, you know, this were 20 years ago and people couldn't do that sort of thing and there weren't really, you know, online reviews or any ways for the audience to contact their creator, do you think that causes more stress that, you know, you know, you can just have any number of comments at you at any point, or do you think it's also helpful because maybe it balances out with you know positive reactions yeah i mean i think in the the olden days um before the great war the olden days of before the internet i think there was there were still ways of of finding out that you suck um i i do think it does make it easier for people to to give you your give you their opinion um i mean this is the thing you can you can avoid it you know you can take yourself out of that and just ignore that kind of stream you, you know people people aren't forced to sign up to twitter and and engage with people it is it is a choice that that i've made to to be available in that way um i mean twitter is generally generally quite nice for the most part most people following me are following me because they like their stuff and they will they will either be just be generally nice or they won't say anything and it's very rare that somebody who hates something of mine will actually find me and let me know because most people can't be bothered um also i have the massive internet advantage of not being female which means i i get shielded from a huge amount of that kind of thing um i mean you can't even breathe on the internet if you're a woman at the moment without somebody going why are you breathing that way but yeah it's 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 generally okay and usually this that's the weird thing i i kind of don't mind people doing that on twitter because it's so quick and and passing if somebody doesn't like something then somebody will come along in a few minutes who will like it and it's quite it's kind of it's kind of it's just kind of quick and fluffy and it doesn't really make a difference it's just you're just kind of getting getting a taste of the opinions that are that are out there um i even have i have searches running for um my movie titles just to and i'll look at i'll look at them now and again just to see what people are saying um just out of curiosity and it doesn't it doesn't actually bother me anymore if i if i search that and i see um Cockneys vs. Zombies is the worst film I've ever seen in my life. That that doesn't bother me because not everyone's going to like everything you do. And that's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, and also, the next tweet in the search will be somebody saying, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. I mean, neither of those things are true, really. So you kind of, you kind of take it with a, a massive pinch of salt. It's when people get in touch with you and go out of their way to get in touch to, to tell you they didn't like something but they do it in a really dickish way. Um, I don't know, are we, are we allowed to swear on this? Yes. Can we say, we say rude words? Okay. Um, yeah, if, someone, if someone's a dick, I mean, there's a, there's a great 
song on YouTube, a very, very quick one, where it's, it, it basically, it's okay to not like things, but just don't be a dick about it, um, which I, I think goes a long way. It's, yeah, it's, when, it's when someone's a dick about it, then I get really annoyed because it's not that they didn't like it. I don't care that they didn't like it. It's that they decided to try and to try and ruin my day, and and make me feel like shit. Um, and that that weirdly annoys. And it doesn't actually make me feel like shit. What they've said, I don't get insulted because I don't care because it's just some idiot trying to be trying to be a dick. But it's the fact that they've tried to do it that actually annoys me and upsets me more than anything they've said. Because yeah, I it's just like, think it's well, the malicious intent. Yeah, that this person's mm-hmm. trying to hurt me, and they didn't. But the very fact that they're trying to is actually quite hurtful and weird, and scary and and threatening. Um, again, you know, being a a straight white male on the internet, it's it it removes a lot of the awfulness. So I'm fully I'm fully aware of that. But yeah, it's a it's a bizarre thing. I mean, it should Twitter should really kind of worry and bother me, but it kind of doesn't in a in a strange way. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a mass of contradictions. It's it's bizarre. I should be really anxious about that, but I'm not. Well, that's the thing about anxiety too is that it doesn't exactly follow any sort of logical pattern. Yeah. And what you logically are like this should upset me or this should not upset me has no bearing on the actual situation or what your brain is going to choose to spiral over. Hmm. I did have um usually what you are you aware of the Eurovision Song Contest? Yes. Um I mean it's brilliant and it must not be watched sober it's it's not the sort of thing that's safe to watch um without alcohol but i i pretty much watch it every year and just get drunk and go on twitter and and make comments about it because everybody else is doing it and it's it's one of those things where that you you have to watch live and and tweet along to it um which i think is a huge huge positive thing about twitter in that you're kind of you've got everyone in the world in your front room and you're all watching a TV show together, which is great. Um, and seeing what other people are, are tweeting about it. Um, and there was, I, I, I made, I made some joke and it was, a, it was a, like a, a vine or something. I think it was a vine. Um, and I just, it was in the middle of millions and millions of tweets. I'm sure lots of people unfollow and mute me during it because <laughs> it can be very tiresome. And I just, it was just one of many tweets and I, and I sent it and lots of them got retweeted during the show and I just got some random reply from some guy to that tweet who doesn't doesn't follow me I've never heard of him he'd never he'd never come across me or spoken to me before and he just said you're you're ugly stop what you're doing and I just <laughs> I just replied with like okay thanks for the feedback that's great um and, ca- and it didn't bother me because I was just like what a weird thing to say what a weird wh- why would you do that and how, and how did you even find me it's always someone that that's not following you and finds your tweet out of the blue and decides I'm going to try and start an argument with this complete stranger who who doesn't give a shit about me. Yeah, and it's also it's usually something that's completely off topic yeah, from yeah. what was happening. It's never like, you know, I would like to comment on this comment you made. Like no, they're just like you're dumb. Like what? I don't, yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Why? I mean, I I got I got a I got a little a little taster of it uh, last year when I I there was there was some bullshit about uh, men's rights activists getting pissed off about something or other, um, and I just I just made a comment, I just tweeted about it, just saying God, imagine imagine being that stupid, and it was and then nothing really happened. And about about ten minutes later, all of a sudden, I had about ten replies in a row from different people, none of whom were following me, and it was all 
it was all just like, oh, are you aware? Actually, are you aware of this? And that, and that men have far fewer rights uh, than women, and blah blah blah. And it and just re- and like going straight to eleven with the with the anger. And uh, who is this dickhead? And just oh, some some stupid fucking TV writer. Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, what? What are you what are you getting from this? This is like you've you've clearly searched for this thing to ha- to have an argument, you know, in between uh, your 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 struggle for men's rights. You've clearly taken a break from that to do this because this isn't really getting you anywhere. Um, and I just I I just found that kind of hilarious. And they they just and they just sort of wore themselves out for a bit, and then and then I just I kind of engaged for a little bit, just uh, insulting them. Um, and then I muted them all, and and they're probably still talking to me. I, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people who go out of their way, like yeah, they'll they'll search something that you know you're not even hashtagging it or anything. They'll just go out of their way to find people. I feel like a lot of those people, somebody hurt them in their past at some point, and I feel like it's almost like they're preemptively rejecting people. Like they want to be in control of some sort of relationship, even if it's with a stranger or anything. And they're like, I need to, hey, like the guys that'll, you know, tweet at me or message me or whatever. And they're like, you know, you're stupid and ugly. And I, I would, I wouldn't ever date you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, oh, Thanks. damn. <laughs> and they just want to preemptively yeah. reject. Like they just want to be like, I never liked you anyway. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I'll, 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 I'll find somebody who would never go out with me. And I will I will reject them first before she has a chance, even though they're never going to meet and it's 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 never going to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just a lot of a lot of sad people with with some issues from their past who just need to just need to get out more. I think if people just got out more, that would solve everything. It's also I mean, if you. If you think about, you know, if it's if it's because, you know, they've been rejected or something. And then I think about it in terms of actually like writing. And imagine if you were, you know, pitching something, you know, just cold sent it in somewhere. And then you're like, by the way, I never wanted to work with you anyway. Like, what? Like, you'll, you'll probably reject this, what? you idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just emailing yeah. publishers. Here's, like, Fuck here's, you. My, here's my what? new idea. Not that you'd be fucking interested. <laughs> Good day. I thought about it, but then you know what? I decided it's, I hate. It's so you. weird. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've had a little bit of that. Not, uh, not the uh, people telling me I'm not pretty and they wouldn't date me because um, I'm extremely pretty. Um, that was a joke. Um, no, it wasn't because I am. Uh, no, I, I got I get a lot of uh, when people are angry about whatever they've they've searched for. I, I don't even hashtag things; they search for phrases when they're angry about something and they're not following me and they're like, well, I'm never watching your stuff again. I'm like, you, you never watched it in the first place ever. So I, I don't care. And you know, and you know what? You're not allowed to watch it. I don't want you watching it. I don't want to even accidentally make you laugh or give you any pleasure. You are not my audience. I demand that you stop no, looking no, at yeah, everything. Even I've if done. you are my audience, I don't want you in there because you, you make the rest of them look you bad. Get out. <laughs> you ruin it for everybody else. I feel that way a lot online with with just stuff I do. If even even if they're not being mean to me, but they're just mm. being ignorant in general, I'm like you're you're not allowed mm. to be my fan anymore. Like stop. I don't want my name associated yeah. with you in any way. Like you I feel like fans a lot of the time represent, you know, the people that they're fans of and it's like you're like I don't want people who associate with me to also associate yeah. with yeah. terrible things. 
Yeah, you don't want you don't want people kind of going. Oh, I like I like I like I like that person, but oh God, the people who like that person are just awful. Yeah, or like I don't want to think that whatever I do or create is resonating with people that would like vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. Like that's yeah. terrifying. Because then I'm like, what have I done wrong? Yeah, what? <laughs> what am how, I doing? How come I'm 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 subliminally putting these messages into my work that you would like it? I'm cl- I'm clearly an awful awful racist weirdo secretly in my work. But yeah, so so those those kind of people don't bother me. Um, the thought of people not liking something on Twitter doesn't really bother me, um, which is weird because it should. But yeah, I, I, I get I get anxious about every other aspect of it. Um, and for a while as well, um, I mean, when you're when when you when you are working in this weird, crazy business, you know, you could you could get a job and then you might not get another job for six months. You have no idea. You have no way of knowing if you're, if you're going to get another job anytime soon um, or if it's going to be a good job or if it's going to be well-paid or like, you know, minimum or uh, exposure, my favourite kind of payment. So there's that anxiety as well, which is just like a general background anxiety of like, God, what if, what if, I, what if I don't get any more work? I've just finished this job now. What if, what if I don't get any more jobs ever or or what if i don't get any for like a year and then i'll have to just like just kind of scrimp and save and 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 try and figure out what how to how to pay my bills and pay my rent um and then if you do get one job in that time when things are a bit quiet then you then it there's a huge amount of pressure on that because you think god if i if I make one mistake on this job and get fired, then I then I've lost my my only source of income for the next six months, um, and that's that's no way to be to be creative. You know, you can't sit and relax and and try and come up with fun ideas for something if there's a gun pointed at your head. Essentially, you know, it's or even even if you haven't got a job and you're trying to come up with ideas for your next thing. But you have that gun pointed at you of you will you will not be able to pay your bills, you will run out of money, and in you know same same kind of way you're not going to come up with any kind of good ideas under those circumstances um, so that's yeah i think I think a lot of people you know they have that like you know mm. tortured artist thing that they think. You know, oh no, like artists write their best work when they're like depressed and destitute and all of these things. And it's like, actually, if you gave money to artists, they would create even better stuff. Yeah, yeah, it completely, it's completely the other way around. Because if I'm, if I'm panicking um, about being able to work, then I'm probably going to, it's probably going to make me rush things because I'm going to go, right, I better finish this quickly so I can get paid and then I can get the next job. And that's, that's no way to create, um, arty farty things. It's, it's, it's really not. Um, and then on top of that, I've been doing this for so long now. It's not, even, it's not that long, but it's been long enough. I've been doing this for long enough that if I didn't get any more work, I, I'm kind of unemployable in any other field. I have no real qualifications. I have no real skills. I can type quite quickly. That's about it. 
I'm terrible with uh, I'm terrible with numbers. I'm terrible at dealing with office environments. I'm I'm terrible at, at you know serving the public. Um, I'm just I'm just unemployable. Literally, I've got a I've got a general typing and shorthand qualification, but it's not like it's it's a it's a module kind of thing from an adult education course years ago, which has expired. So I I literally have no qualifications or skills or anything. So I'm just if I can't do this, then I've got nothing. I don't know. It's kind of a chicken and egg、hmm. question of like, did the anxiety come first? Or and that's what led you to be more creative and go down that road because、mm. other things were you know not as easy and you know or you know whereas art you're like oh I can do that I don't have to make phone calls all day or do these、mm. things that make me anxious so I'll do this art part of it or is it I started doing art so now I can no longer deal with those other things. I think it's it's always、things. been there for me at least.、Um, like I I I know、mm. I've I've always been writing stories in some form. Ever since I can remember,、um, my very first year at school,、um, when I was three or four, I remember writing stories in class. We, we'd have like they called it story time, and that basically meant we would draw a picture of a house and then write "This is a house" underneath it. That was that was the story we would write, and we'd we'd do that every single week because like kids kids、uh, writing paper had like three lines on it. And I think it was like about the fifth or sixth time it was like right story time and and everyone starts drawing the house and I was like oh god we're doing the fucking house again I didn't say that but you know it was like not the house again serious oh we've done that that's boring、um, and I didn't I don't I didn't remember this until recently my sister had told me this、um, but when everybody else was drawing the houses you know with like the smiling people waving and everything and the, the smoke coming out the chimney I would do the same houses but my houses were all on fire. So they kind of knew I would end up doing something like this job,、um, but like the people were still sort of like smiling and happy and waving. I just I would just draw them on fire. So so one day, I wrote I instead of drawing the picture and writing this as a house, I I filled up the entire page with a story, like an actual story about a cat and a mouse、um, having a fight,、um, and the teacher really liked it and read it out in class, and everyone laughed and clapped. And I, I must have been four years old at that point.、Um, I, it was, it's a very vivid early memory, and I remember doing. And I was always writing stories after that, just constantly, and reading a lot and watching lots of TV.、Um, but I was a very anxious little, little weird little kid.、Um, in that same year, I remember one of my first days at school. There,、um, I had, <laughs> I had, I had this new, this new pair of blue shorts. These new, these new blue shorts.、Um, With like a fancy kind of plastic buckle on the front, it was just decorative buckle, and I was so terrified that something was going to happen at the school and and I would get the buckle broken. That when the teacher was out of class one day,、um, two kids started fighting, and I thought, oh god, what if they what if they roll over this way somehow? Like you know, like in a, like in a cartoon fight when it's like a a cloud of smoke with fists coming out of it. What if they roll over this way and break my belt buckle? I better go and stand up against the wall and hold onto the buckle really tightly, just to protect it. And then, of course, they rolled over my way and crashed into me. But because I was holding the buckle so tightly, when they crashed into me, it made me snap the buckle in half. Now, if you put that into a script, that's that's just not that's not a realistic thing. But that actually, that's another vivid moment. That actually happened. 
So I think I think that was just when it all kind of started, and I, and and I just kind of thought, oh God, what if this bad thing happens, and and I make it happen, because I thought that would happen, and then it did happen. It it did actually happen, but I didn't put it together that no, actually, you just did that yourself because you were being overly paranoid and you made that happen. So I think I think it's just always been there. I've always been a worrier. So is there any one part of the creative process? that or even just the anything process of you know actually writing or creating in any way that's has the least anxiety or the part that's like oh it's this part this is my favorite part i can like kind yes, of calm yes. down yes yes um i mean i have uh, i have a very specific uh, writing process that i've uh, that <laughs> i've developed over, I've developed over a very long career um where i get the idea and then I I do a big brainstorm session where so if the idea is like what if what if a guy turned into a monkey for a day and then I kind of sit down for several days and I go right put some music on what if a guy turned into a monkey for a day and then I just sit and think of all the things that might happen based on that idea and I don't worry about where, where they fit into a story there's no story at this point it's just random ideas like funny moments, dramatic moments, characters, lines of dialogue, sequences, just random bits. And sometimes they'll contradict each other, but I don't, I'm not, it's not about that at this point. It's just write down lots of ideas, things that occur to you. And I do that for a few days, just writing it into a text document as I think of it, because I can type quite quickly. And that way, there's no there's no kind of judgment or no, that doesn't fit with the other bit or it doesn't quite match the, uh, the, the, the concept. It's just make stuff up randomly. No, no, no limitations, um, no holding back. And then once I've done that, I then start kind of sticking bits together and and kind of making a rough shape to the story. Um, some of the bits won't fit. Some of them I can make them fit. Um, some of them just won't fit. So I just, I throw them out um, and then I kind of cobble together a rough outline from that, just a very short, basic, bare bones outline. Just this happens, then that happens, and then I've got fairly rough outline, but I know exactly where it's going, and there's enough room for me to kind of digress there. And I work out who the characters are, um, put together a music playlist for that particular project of stuff that might be on the soundtrack or or sort of inspired by or, or whatever. Um, and then I know that when I do my, my initial rough draft, I'm never going to get stuck because I've got the entire thing worked out. And if I do get stuck, I know that I've got that brainstorm document filled, crammed with random ideas so that I can always go back to that and just pluck something else out and and figure out a way to make it work. So that initial rough draft is just me plowing through. I can do that in a week because I've got everything else worked out, I don't have to stop and think. Um, and I go into this weird kind of zone, kind of trance thing, where the, the characters just start talking as I'm going through it. Um, and that's, from brainstorm to, to rough draft, that's my favourite bit. Because it's just, it's purely creative and fun and silly, and and none of it matters because no one's going to see the rough draft. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean that up and do a few passes before anyone reads it. So there's no there's no pressure on me. I'm sure I've sort of subconsciously designed it to to be a process where there's there's the least pressure on me for the longest possible time. 
but it just it just helps to put you in that kind of headspace to come up with stuff and i've i found that i found that really really helpful for me anyway you know it, it may some people have different processes there, but that's that's how i do it and that's that's a, that's a, a good fun process for me i also i think it's interesting that your favorite part of the process starts off with doing exactly what your brain does yeah when you're anxious, which is to think <laughs> up every possible scenario, but you're funneling it into something yes, that you yes. enjoy. Isn't that weird? Isn't that really weird? I hadn't actually considered that before at all. That's so weird. That is so weird. I just blew your mind. <laughs> God, you should charge for this. It's like free therapy. So on... Um, yeah, I should. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> therapy. I charge by the minute. Yeah. So, well, I want to... Is there anything, because I know... Obviously, there are millions and millions of people out there that want to be writers or directors or do, you know, creative crap and, of course, have crippling anxiety like most of us. Um, is there anything you would want to tell them about getting into this and actually, like, committing your life oh to it? Oh, my God. Um, Run? I don't know. <laughs> no, this, I mean, this is the thing. I, I do, you know, I, I do kind of give talks and and and. and do like conventions and Q and A's and things, and I always say that it's really, really, really difficult to get into it. But if I can get into it, then any idiot can. Frankly, um, if you've got if you've got stuff that you've that you've done and it's good, then it will get found and it will get read and people will get in touch if it's good. I know I I have no idea if it's good. I can't I can't tell you that um but if if someone has written a good script it will get found and the other dirty secret is that a lot of companies say they won't read things um but they still get sent stuff anyway and 90 i'd say 90 percent of submissions that arrive anywhere are utter utter shit um uh, and or they've ignored the submissions guidelines they've done it in a different format or they've said, Oh, I know you said that it shouldn't be about monkeys and it should be under 30 pages, but my 5,000 page monkey epic is really good. And I think that will make it, I think you'll really like it. Um, people who, who just ignore the submission guidelines and send in complete crap are 90% of, of what they will receive. So if you, if you listen to what they want and follow the guidelines, or even if there's no if there's no guidelines, if you're just sending in something, if you just have the correct format and everything's spelled correctly, and your grammar's not terrible, and it's not written in green ink on on banana leaves um, and smeared in your own feces, then you're in the top ten percent of submissions. They'll they'll get it and they'll go oh doesn't have any feces handprints okay okay that's gonna go on my to read list right away toot sweet that's going on my list it's uh it's it's amazing the amount of people that just don't bother reading the, the guidelines or they you know they're like well you know everyone writes in in, in that 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 screenplay format i want to do something different and i want to break all the rules because i know film theory and no don't just you know it you know it, it it doesn't kill you to to use the use the correct margins and formatting and font it it's it's not it's not a big hardship you know no one's going to call Am amnesty international on your behalf because of that 
just do what they say and but you know write write your own story write write the story that's that's burning inside you that you've got to get out and that, that you're passionate about write the the story that only you can tell in that particular way and you know just they they want they want to hear your voice they want to know what kind of writer you are so just give it your all and write the write the best film that no one's ever seen before or write the best first episode of a tv show that that only you could come up with and if it's good it will get onto it will get onto people's desks and they will they'll bite your hand off for it and thus will begin the cycle of anxiety yes yes um but just i mean that's the thing when you when you go in to meet people or, or you're going into work on stuff just pretend that you're not terrified um because they're doing the same thing they're all terrified you know they're terrified that they're going to lose their job if they sign you up and you don't deliver or you give them a piece of shit or you're mad and you, you they they can't deal with you they they're scared they'll lose the job they're scared that you know if they've read your thing and they think it's good what if what if their boss doesn't think it's good and then they'll get fired everyone's terrified all this this is this is the other dirty secret everyone's terrified all the time everywhere but 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 we all just pretend that we're not yep that's right that's exactly correct and i think that that's a lot of i think what also just sharing stuff and sharing stories and what i want to do with this podcast is to be like, hey, guess what? We all have problems. <laughs> and, like, whatever crap you yes. think is happening, like, everybody else is totally put together. Like, no, no, that's not real. Not in the slightest. And it, and it gets, and that's the other thing, um, it doesn't get, doesn't get any better. You know, what I've, I've, when, I, when I broke in, or whatever that means, because you keep, you kind of break, you have to break in with every new thing that you do. When I first got into the business and started getting jobs and getting success and doing this and doing that, I thought I would kind of start figuring out and thinking and, and knowing what I was doing and getting less terrified. Um, but you don't. It you just it gets worse. It doesn't go away. So, you know, it, that that's that's not really much comfort. But at least you know it's not just you, and it's it's normal. It's a normal thing. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast and being the very, very first guest, thank which means you know you what? For inviting if me. If this fails, I can just blame you, and I'm going to put all that anxiety oh on you now. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I, I, hilariously, I was already thinking that. I was like, oh god, what if this like this is the this is the worst episode of the whole whole series? And I'm like, oh, it's a really great podcast, except for the fucking James Moran one, which is just horrendous. It's going to be that one episode in the. Can't TV believe series. she had it's the, the nerve to put Nobody, that the out. The pilot's never good. <laughs> it's not his fault. No, he, Poor he guy, was taking all those notes know. from the network, and it just wasn't working. You know, he can't. He can't help Aww, being an idiot. You're not an idiot. I love you. <laughs> we're all idiots. Yeah, either no one's an idiot, or we're all idiots. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're all idiots. Well, thanks again, and um, everybody out there, you can find James on Twitter um, at James Moran. Uh, and you can also keep up with all of his fantastic things he's been doing and is doing over on his blog, which is jamesmoran.blogspot.com. And we already have a shout-out. We have a shout-out to Veronica, um, who is supporting us on Patreon. Uh, if you'd like to help support our podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash McQueen, And you can get the episodes a day early, um, or you can get a shout-out right here on the podcast. 
Uh, there's also advertising space available, so just go head over there and, you know, give me some money so I can keep doing this. And also, one of the best ways to support this podcast and everything I do is to simply share it with other people. Uh, give it five stars on iTunes and write us a good review and share it with other people that you think will enjoy it. And if you really like this episode or you have suggestions on different topics you want to hear or maybe suggest some guests that I could maybe try to get... Just tweet with the hashtag Exposed Podcast or just tweet at us and hopefully I'll hear from you. So have a great day and remember, sharing is caring. Bye.